Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Conan. And Dennis Dick on today's show. I guess we're going to buy everything. We should really buy gold. It's at a new all-time high. I can't believe I'm saying that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the rallies in gold, silver, Bitcoin. Uh, Tech is going to take center stage this week between earnings and between the uh, testimony that the big four CEOs give on Capitol Hill on Wednesday. We've got a new SPAC in play. Uh, Tesla's moving this morning. Moderna's moving this morning. So a lot to get to. Our guest is Scott Shalady, a.k.a. the Cal Guy. He would join us at 8 35 before i throw it to joel i want to remind you folks to uh like the video subscribe to our channel we appreciate any and all likes and subscriptions and now joel update us here on this overnight session uh good morning spencer good morning team of traders and investors we are in the green by 18.25 handles we have the support level of the century, folks, and this is a 3190 area i talked about it last week i also talked about it Last week, I don't know how many times, but we got down to 31.92 overnight, and then boom, we rebounded. 32.23.75 is your pre-market high. This is a tough one, folks. Uh, weekly level, I'm going to give you a 32.27. We clear that. I think we have uh, a good shot of getting back up closer to 3,300. Friday's high 32.39. If you're looking for an intermediate target, so. Right here is the real battleground here for the bulls to take control. They're doing a good job. As I said, we're up over 17 handles. Uh, gold, now on a front month, rolling front month contract, ah, it's not an all-time high, but boy, oh boy, adding $34, any way you look at it, got up to 1941.90, traded just under 1900 as a low. So breakout, I mean, you got to be thinking about gold 2000 here. Finally, uh, those miners I have are finally paying off. Silver's the star, up six and three quarters percent at 24.40, up a buck 55. Another clean breakout in the silver market. So those gold and silver bugs are finally getting their due. And Bitcoin, 
Don't forget about Bitcoin. The trading range between 9,000 and 10,000. Is it could be a thing of the past here? We are up $735 in Bitcoin, 10,350 on the futures. Finally, a move. Let's bring in Triple D. Triple D, first let me ask you, how was the weekend? It was okay. Pretty good. Yeah? You a little R&R. You watch I, even took fr- I took an extended weekend because I took Friday night off. I never do that. Did not trade Friday night. Last Friday night before it was pretty slow. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take an extended weekend. So I did not trade Friday night. So I had a normal weekend, really, because everybody always quits at four. But I don't quit till eight. So I took Friday night off. So I can't tell you what was happening in the equity markets on Friday night, although I did look at my phone a couple of times. And I didn't see much happening. So it was good. How's your weekend? Very good. I mean, it's actually coming back to work. It's like a vacation. I was just so busy this weekend, swimming, swim lessons, doing stuff. I did some swimming too. You did in a lake? Yeah, a little bit in the bay over at my brother-in-law. Swam over here. He's got a swimming pool. So the kids were, we were in the, it was hot. I don't know. Like, you know, obviously down Detroit is hot and up at my cottage, very hot. So it was one of those hot weekends. It's hot this morning too. So we were right in the thick of the heat here right now. All right, people don't want to hear about our weekend. They want to hear about stocks. And uh, we got a lot moving this morning, right? I mean, Moderna's moving. You have Tesla itching its way uh, down to 1000 bucks. Got a lot going on. Where where would you like to start? I mean, we should start with a little recap of what did happen Friday morning. And the textbook two-day sell-off just followed the textbook. What we talked about on Friday morning show was if you're going to see the buy the dippers come in, it's probably going to be slightly after the open. So you get the washout at the open. Bring up the chart of Apple. Um, you can show it on all time frames if you want. But yep. obviously, we're looking at Apple uh, just mainly from Friday. And if you see, we talked about the two-day sell-off on Friday morning show. The follow-through happened in all the tech. They were hitting them in the first 20 minutes. And then the washout happened, and the buy the dippers came in, and they bought them all day. So this was a classic two-day shakeout. Is it something more? I can't tell you that. All, you know, We obviously just trade what we can trade. Um, you know, we've traded those setups and I know, you know, I, I talked about coming in short, you know, individual tech stocks, in my day trading account on Friday, because I expected the two day move. It's tricky from this point in time, but you look and you say, okay, I got to come in here this morning and start buying stocks. I'm going to say it again. If you're coming in and buying Apple right now, you're doing it backwards because Apple is now, if we look almost 20 points off of the low that it made Friday morning. So, and getting almost half of its losses back. I mean, if you want to talk a little 50% retracement of the most recent move, you're almost there right now because you say roughly $400 got down to 356. Now we're up to 374. You could call it 378 to 380, but you're kind of coming to resistance as you start to get back up there. So I'm not giving the green light to day trade and start buying and loading up tech stocks here now. If If you were wanting to buy tech stocks, and I own all these already, but if you're wanting to, you've got to be buying them on dips, not buying them on rips. Apple trading up four bucks here this morning, maybe because some Moderna data, maybe because you know they just find a reason to come in and buy. But it's going to be a lot of chop in here. It's not going straight back up to 400, I think. So I think you're going to get maybe even a second chance at that 356 low. So I'm not chasing today's rally. 
Interesting. I mean, you talked about the bounce, 397. We got the 356.58. Call that a 40-point move. So 377, 378 gets you back halfway of this uh, decline. So that if you're playing for just a short-term target or you're looking to uh, initiate a short, that's halfway back. No daily levels fit in there because we came down so hard. Just one thing, though. Uh Pre-earnings run, right? Don't they have earnings next week? Oh, that's all I was about to say, Joel. It took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. It is, I think it's it, this week, isn't it? It is big tech earnings week. So it starts Wednesday morning with Shopify. Yeah. Wednesday afternoon, Facebook. Thursday afternoon, Amazon, Apple, Alphabet. So it is huge. big tech earnings week. And on top of that, on Wednesday, you do have the testimony that the big four CEOs are giving uh, in front of Congress re- regarding antitrust activities. So that could also uh, weigh on sentiment uh, or, or determine sentiment here. So two catalysts this week for tech. I mean, the earnings are everything. Can you see a little pre-earnings run in some of these things? Well, you started seeing a Friday, so it is possible. Could we chop around before the earnings? I think we do. I think we chop around because we obviously want to see, are they you know, going to you know, pull a Microsoft where the earnings were okay, but then slam the stock anyways? Or, you know, on Tesla, obvious example where the earnings were good and they slam the stock. Or are they you know, knocked some of these stocks down enough now that the sentiment has turned a little bit and they can actually buy them up? That's all to be determined here. So we'll have to look at the earnings earlier in the week to get a better feel for it. But I mean, Thursday's the big day. Amazon, Apple, how do you get bigger than that? That's going to be the real turning, and that's the real test for tech. All right. Uh, good we, good question it, from the chat before you move on to sure, what do you Gary got? Francis in the chat saying, what is your signal that the dip is over and it's the time again? How do you know to buy a dip when the dip can go lower? I'm going to say when I'm saying it's general, buying the dip and selling the rip. So if I have a setup and I'm in a stock, so – First of all, let's just go right back to the basics. When I'm trading, and I'm putting the trading cap on, not the investing cap on, the trading cap on right now. When I am trading, I am buying stocks in uptrends, selling short stocks that are in downtrends. And I'm buying those stocks on dips and selling the other ones on the rips. And also, you know, and, and you know, maybe taking some profits. So buying dips and selling rips, you know, as you, if your stock's in an uptrend, I'm inclined to buy it and then sell it on when it bounces back up. Now, again, it's a great question. How do you know? You don't ever know where the bottom is, but you've got to know for those turns. Like I was talking about, it was a kind of a classic two day move on Friday. And so I was saying after the open, you could see some life coming in. So if you're a day trader, how you would have traded Apple is boom, you get the washout low at 356. You're not trying to catch the bottom. Don't catch the falling knife. I'm not saying, okay, I'm just going to, it's going straight down. I've got to just buy it. Wait till it stops going down. Then you have yourself an out. Then you have yourself a defined thing. So the time to buy it wasn't at 356. So you got at 356, you just got lucky. The time to buy was when tech started to turn around shortly after that. And they started to look, okay, now we're rallying. Now we're up three, four points from the low. Now if I'm a day trader, I can stop myself at the low of the day. And I'm just going to say that the rally is going to continue. That's how I would trade it if I was a day trader. If you're a long-term investor and you're looking for opportunities, you can catch the falling knives on some of these, but it's tricky and I get burned. I usually like to have the momentum going with me. So I want to see them start to go back up a little bit. So I'm not trying to catch the absolute bottom. I'm trying to let it wash out and then come in after everybody's washed out and it looks like there's some stabilization happening. So that's how I play it from a day trading perspective. 
investing again is a different animal so you know if you're wanting a stock and you're seeing it just gets murdered i mean some people were buying the intel dip i'm sure we talked about a big level at 50 bucks so sometimes levels can come into play was trading 52 in, in the pre-market i said i think it could see 50 today so you know what it did it actually bounced just below 50 49 half hits the few stops that are people maybe leaning on 50 and goes back up I also said I wasn't adding this to my investment account until I got to 45 because I think it was significant enough information that it could stay out of favor for a while. So as a day trade, it would work from 50 for a bounce. As a long-term investor, if I switch the caps again, I'm not really looking for Intel until it gets to that huge 45 level, which has been huge for a long time. So we're using levels, we're using the switch of momentum, and we're also uh, just using the overall trend. Intel's not enough trending. That's the one problem with, you know, even looking at Intel as, oh, yeah, this is the stock I want to buy on the dip. I mean, Intel hasn't been really in an uptrend for, for two and a half years. I guess if you go back seven years, it is because it was down at 20 bucks in 2013. But when you look at the last three years, it's just kind of hanging out between 40 and 60. Every time it gets up over 60, it's a sell. Every time it gets in the mid 40s, it's a buy. So I'm going to keep playing Intel that way. It gets down to the mid 40s. That's where I'll strike 45, 46 bucks. Uh, just one other thing, just talking, I mean, you're talking about using the levels, the intraday levels. I think what uh, what we've talked about on the, uh, in the past is also the importance of the open, right? Mm -hmm. In Apple, you had that, you had the lower open, you continued through, right? But when you came back, and I don't, we don't have time to drill down on all of it, but when you came back down through that open, Up through boom, the open, yeah. Yep, up, yeah, up through the open there. You you had a nice run, and a lot that's a lot to lean on. Buying it at sixty three ninety five, and you know leaning on fifty six fifty eight. But it's just nice the way Apple went up, and you could have gotten the close in Apple on Friday if you would have been patient. The close was seventy one thirty eight. It got to seventy one eighty eight. So there's just a little bit more of a a tactical way to approach it. Uh, on an intraday basis. And, you, you and completely agree with this. And just to explain this, I learned this from Joel O'Connor back in 1999. Stock opens, washes out, comes back up through the opening price. Then you strike, putting your stop at the low of the day. Uh, Apple might not have been the best example, Joel, because like you said, the stop would have been nine points away. But I'm sure yep. there were some tech stocks that probably were better. Um, and, and, you know, and if you were looking at Intel from that perspective, you would have never had a trigger. So you would have never got burned on the Intel because Intel never came back through its open. It opened around 52 and then went straight down and actually came up and touched the open but never got back through it. So if you were playing it from Intel, you would have never bought it and you would have never got burned. So it works you know, to stop you from going into trade as well. But if you're just randomly saying, I'm catching the falling knife, oh, Dennis is by the dips, I'm just going to randomly catch the falling knife on this. It's, it's difficult because you, you, you could be trying to say, okay, well, Apple is different at 374 and now it's 356. So where is the dip? How do you define the dip? So again, you've got to have those setups, your ducks in a row. But overall, I'm buying the dip on stocks that are in uptrends, selling the rip on stocks and downtrends. And then you've got to get, that's one duck and you need to get your two or three ducks in a row to actually strike on the trade. I love the Joel setup where it starts to come back up through the open and then you have your defined risk and then you can stop yourself out at the low of the day. That's always a nice, clean setup. And then also just going back to this intel, and I pulled up the – if you look at the upper left chart there, when we were discussing it during the show, I mean, like that spike to 53, I don't know if that was an odd lot or whatever, but it just looked, you know, like there was a seller in there, and they weren't done 
when you're at the pre-market low, I think the pre-market low at the time was like 51.90 or 52 even, and it was at 52.20, and it ain't going nowhere. I mean, you could feel that pressure. You could feel someone was just like, okay, I'm selling a zillion at 52. I don't know whether they were shorting it or exiting a position, but you know, when you see those, sometimes you see those pre-market charts and you hit 52 and then you're at 54 and a half. But that wasn't the case. So I, I, do, I remember talking about that. You see the flush out um, early and then at 10 o'clock, you got the old 10 o'clock turn and it rallied back. So how is Intel? Take a look at Intel today. Uh, it's trading up 24 cents. It's really not cute. really participating. Yeah, not participating. You got to get into that gap area. You got to get Before you that. get interested. I yeah. completely agree. Yep. Not interested in this on the long side, even from a trading perspective, until it can get up over 52, and then it gets a little bit more interesting. But let's be honest here. I mean, when AMD, and let's go to AMD Woo! right now, because when it just kept running and running, and I did not get, I did not think it was going to have the gas to keep running like this. I was oh saying on the show, Lord. it was trading 63 in the pre-market. I was like, I'd be ringing the register. Dead wrong. I mean, the thing just kept going. So Intel's losses, AMD's, you know, and AMD, is this is all-time highs. And like I said, I never want to be short of stock making new all-time highs so i didn't short it if i was in it i would have been selling into it way too early again you know maybe you follow me on the entries i've never been great at exiting stocks but that's an incredible move it's a gift but you know now it's so in favor I don't even know what, on buybacks yeah. here you know people you know on pullbacks people are going to be buying this so again as a trader this is a stock that I would be buying on dips now because it's back in favor. So maybe you get it, you know, and, it, and where's the dip on AMD? I mean, 69, I go down to 65, 66, 67. Those are all dips. I don't know how far it goes down. It's hard to really define the risk here on a stock like this at this point in time, but maybe you get some intraday, maybe it opens and cuts down and cuts back up. Like Joel was saying, there's different intraday setups that we can't discuss here yet because the intraday hasn't even started. But overall, this is the kind of stock that I would be buying on dips when I've got a clean setup. Wait, uh, how would you approach uh, Taiwan Semi this morning, TSM? Because that is also moving. It's it, it you know Intel's loss, Intel's losses, AMD's gain, and Taiwan, Taiwan Semi. Semi yeah. So and they have so, Apple news too with them, do they not? Right, they announced an expanded partnership with Apple this morning, so they're at new all-time highs here this morning. Yeah, unlike, unlike AMD. I mean, same story. I don't chase something that's up four and a half bucks. I wouldn't have chased AMD, although it would have worked on Friday, and sure. maybe it works here too. I've just been burned chasing too much, so I don't chase these things. But this is a stock that's in a clear uptrend. It's been ripping. It's almost parabolic at this point in time, though. So it's kind of like, and, and maybe AMD was the case too, and it was ripping up five, six, seven bucks. Um, it's a case a little bit Nick Shaheen, too high to chase, too hot to short. So I'm kind of just maybe out on this one. Joel, like, I mean, no, I have, semi up four and a half bucks. Yeah, it's a hard I, I, one to trade at this point. Yeah. Uh, also, you're not looking at the primary market. If you want 79.70, hit that at 430 this morning. Sellers slammed it to 79 uh, or 77 even. So keep an eye on that pre-market high, 79.70. Uh, also, just uh, for clarification here, the chart, upper left chart is your 15-minute, 24-hour chart. Then your daily 
and then your bottom left is your weekly and then uh, just keeping the spoos up on the bottom right since uh, we use that as our primary indicator also uh, we had a suggestion if the charts are blurry we're still looking at that um, you can change your resolution from 144 uh, to 720 they're Try crisp that. on my screen yeah um, it's, we might it's, have to and and you know this isn't set in stone we're just experimenting with something we can go back to the one chart system because maybe it's a little bit confusing i mean i get somewhat confused looking at these four charts now that you explain them i get it a little bit so um we're experimenting a little bit so let us sure. know um you know if you like the new chart setup you know we can go with it for a bit we can go back to the one chart system it's not in stone um so let us know what you think Oh, you can just look at our ugly mugs all day if you want to do that, too. And, you know, we can smile a little bit more. But uh, S&P's itching up. I smile enough, they tell me. Yeah. S&P's, I mean, people do like to see your, your new news, you know, uh, when you like your hair is going all over the place. It's called the Triple D. It's <laughs> Bad tri hat, it's called, Joel. Triple, triple D. Um, lack of showering. Hair indicator. We got a it's lot of It's the lack of showering here. <laughs> Not much on earnings, uh, except for uh, Hasbro. I know we had Mattel the other day. I mean, are kids playing with toys more uh, since Apparently they're in lockdown not. or not? Uh, what do you got for us on the earnings front here? Uh, bad miss for the EPS. $0.23 cent estimate, uh, $0.03 cent actual for the EPS. Sales, 860 versus $995 million. So strong misses on the top and the bottom line. Uh, though they did note that gaming revenue increased 11%, which actually seems low to me. Didn't so, make it up. Uh, no, not not enough to make up the losses elsewhere. I mean, this is still a reopening play. Yeah, you can buy Hasbro toys online, but I don't think people are you know really thinking because it's they're still think about this. Think about the logic of this. Maybe we should have thought of this before the Hasbro earnings, but we never even talked about it. Never, I don't think of Hasbro very much because it's not a stock actively trade. But the people who are buying stuff online aren't kids. It's the adults. It's the parents. When you buy a toy. You're going in, your kid's in the toy section. I know, because I got two kids, and I know how it works. I don't actively go in the store looking to buy a toy, usually. I'm going in the store, and I'm like, okay, go play in the toy section for a bit, because, you know, like one, like we divide and conquer. You know, Laura will be doing some shopping. I'll take the kids to the toy section, just so they can, you know, destroy the place pretty much. But, I mean, and then they got some. oh, I really want this, I really want this. And you're like, oh, no, and you're trying to talk. I want this, I want this. And then, you know, the kids, the kids want, want, want. They buy things on impulse that they're seeing the, the toys. You know, they got the Barbie doll, Hasbro. They bought the Barbie doll, their Star Wars figure. And they're, they're, and, they're, and they're buying it on impulse. They're not online shopping looking for it. So it's maybe predictable that online shopping isn't going to work that well for Hasbro. They need the kids in the stores where they, you know, they're, they're playing with that. The parents see them playing with it. Oh, they like the toy. Okay, well, whatever. It's 10 bucks. buy the toy. So I think that's the big difference here. At least that's my fundamental thinking with Hasbro as to why online shopping doesn't work as well for them. You did get a dip and a spike here. Now, this is one of the, opposed to that Intel chart the other day when, you know, we looked at it and there was pressure. This went to 68 even. And now you've rallied almost four bucks up to 72. So this one, I'd be more inclined to say, okay, I, I think I missed the low of the day, 68. I mean, it very well could happen. You go to your dailies or switch right over to the right. Look at this. Parallels, 69. No, no, we're, we're not seeing your charts. You got to park. Oh, it's, uh, the old switch. Okay. We'll go to the charts here. 
and you will see the pre-market low, right? You spiked just on, you went to 68, even four buck rally. I'll go to the dailies here and I see a parallel 69, 33, 69, 44. That's what I, I would say. Okay. I don't think I'm going to get the pre-market low. Let's see if we can get to this double bottom here. Uh, this was back at the end of June. As far as like continued on the upside, you've hit 72.21 on the Flight current volume. rally. Yeah, light volume. I mean, this thing can go anywhere, yeah, but it can. hard to find resistance. I was, if you're looking to cover short or maybe nibble it along, uh, I like that. So this is called 69.50 area. But besides that, stock's kind of in a downtrend, right? It hit, was over 120 bucks in October. Yeah. Oh, two be, for one stock split. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't want it. I mean, what's the story here? Is there a story that's going to carry this? Toy no. Story. You know, it, it's not It's not sexy. It's not going into any funds. I mean, so you're not going to have, you know, the funds coming and buying on the dips because you need to own these things. I don't see any reason to own Hasbro here whatsoever. I'm not saying it's the next Mattel. And, but, Mattel? and obviously Mattel, well, Mattel's been holding on. I mean, but it's been in a downtrend for years. But I'm not saying it's not either. I, I have no interest in Hasbro here. Okay. I just don't see the catalyst to really drive us higher. I mean, they got the Star Wars toys. Star Wars films are getting delayed. That's what I, I was mean, just going to mention that. There, there's, there's, there, I don't see the pending catalyst that, hey, we got to own Hasbro because this thing's going to rip higher. It's a reopening stock. It is a reopening stock. It's not like a Boeing or American Airlines is maybe you know teetering on you know major issues if we don't reopen. But it's still a reopening stock. It's not a tech stock. Anybody who says that, I don't get it. So, no, I'm not interested in Hasbro. Wait, I, wait, I honestly would. Who says Hasbro is a tech stock? I've never heard that before. Well, because they're a play. Well, I, I've heard. I, I have. I mean, okay. not saying that they've got different. Okay, they, whatever you say. Like, I, 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 I'm saying it's not. So I agree with you, Spencer. Okay. But I heard somebody saying that before. Oh, they're you know move, using new technology and they're doing different things and they're moving into gaming. You know, the gaming aspect of it, I think, is where that argument's coming from. But like you said, the gaming revenue is only up 11%, perhaps the, the best quarter for gaming ever. So, you know, to say that, I, I can't see it either. So I'm not interested in Hasbro, bottom line. Uh, let's go to Tesla next. Uh, our old friend uh, Gordon Johnson was on C CNBC a few minutes before we went on the air here, and he was just reiterating his bearish case uh, for the stock. I'm wondering if you guys can, can maybe point out any potential support and or resistance levels if this thing i guess it has resistance now but uh in in, in tesla it's sort it, of it's it, it, it's it's come back here away it's gonna get added to the s p 500 i wouldn't be surprised if that happens soon so that's a, that's why i don't want to be short the stock just saying and i did say it could go down on that but it's gonna pop it's probably gonna pop on the initial announcement i think that pop it will be the selling opportunity so i'm kind of waiting I think that Tesla announcement could come and I think it could get like a hundred point initial pop on the announcement that's actually added to the S&P. And I think that's the selling event. So that's kind of what I'm waiting for is that pop off the announcement that's getting added to the S&P and I plan on selling it short. So into that pop, that's the way I'm trying to play it. It's going to be a wild trade. I'll probably do it with only, you know, not as much size as I normally do because it is going to be wild and I will be fading the move. I think it does get the initial pop on that. When that happens, I don't know, but stock broke trend. The stock has a story. I'm saying the story is still valid. The story could get hot again. And I think it does have a catalyst with the S&P that's going to get the pop. I don't think there's going to be follow through on that pop though. So, but I guess you know, anything can happen. So you've always got to have yourself an out. So if it pops up hypothetically, like in the 1500s, 
then I'd probably stop myself out. Well, 1689 is a long ways to go. So it's going to be a tricky setup. I'll probably be an intraday thing where I'm looking where's the high, let it pop, let it, let it go up where, where it wants to go, and then maybe use that high as the out if I'm trading it. But I think there's going to be an event here. So I don't want to be short it right now because it could pop 100 points in your face tonight or tomorrow or the next day on an S&P ad because that's coming. They've got, they've hit the criterion. It's coming. That's going to be the catalyst. Um, it's just a matter of are there enough people burned in it right now that they're going to fade that pop. I think they do. Uh, on Friday, uh, you know, we we're assuming some more follow through on the downside. And I took a look at it. It's hard with these $1,300, $1,400 stocks. Uh, but it did identify on the show a pair of lows between thirteen fifty. 5128 and 1376. So, I mean, we're just trying to, you know, spitball an area. It fell right in between there. It went to 1366.54. You would have had to been out there scaling and, you know, get anything near that area. Uh, but then this morning, they hit it a few times too, and they got it down to 1375. That's your pre market low. So, I mean, if you if you think this is like a turnaround here, and this is it, this is the end of the sell-off here in Tesla, we're going back, what, to 1800 or whatever? I mean, to me, I, you got a good level. You got Friday's low. Um, also, it tested it in the pre-market. So if you're talking, where are we at it? Uh, 14.8, 14.10. I mean, if you're so inclined to risk 50 points on a swing trade, which you almost have to do in Tesla, yeah. give it down to that low and then, Maybe you get half of this break back, right? What did you hit? You if hit you a- get the S and P ad in the next couple of days, it could pop that hundred bucks. It could. Yep. So you're risking, but again, you know the, the timing of that. We don't know when that's coming. We know it's coming. I'm telling you, it's coming. We just don't know what what day it's going to be. We don't know. A lot of times they do them on the Fridays, but they can do it whenever too. So and this is a lot of hunger for this to be out of the S and P. I think they do it sooner than later. So I don't want to be necessarily short this and then it rise 100 points in my face. I'd rather sell the rip. But mm-hmm. I think that's that high of the move, 1794 is going to be the high for a long time. That's just my opinion. Some people think it's going to get out of the S&P and there's the indexes that got to buy 26 million shares and they're just going to continue to buy this all the way up to 2000. I am not in that camp. I'd be a seller of the rally. When it gets out of the S&P, I'm leaning to sell it. Nice. Selling it short. Yep. So, you know, and I, I don't often short Tesla and I don't stock and it's, it's, it's a strong stock, but I, I don't be a little short it right now. Cause I think there's a hundred point pop when that thing gets announced. Yeah. What if you had a, a 429 point break? You take half of that. You add that to the 1366. I mean, 1580. I mean, I'd you know, love to get shorted at 1580 and lean on the 1680. You gotta give yourself a hundred points, but. You're going to have major resistance anywhere up near 1600 on this for a while now. you got some people burned. Yeah, people and, uh, bought that stock on that earnings saying, this is it. We're going to 2000 because now it can get added to the S&P. And they are immediately down 250, 300 points from those highs that yikes. it set on Thursday. So that is telling you there is overhead supply, classic you know, rule. Who's caught? A lot of short-term traders caught in this thing right now. I you know, like to be on the other side of the crowded trade. I believe this is still a crowded long and people are holding on for that S&P ad. And I think they get a the little bit of a pop. And if they're smart, I believe they're going to sell into it. If you're a long-term investor in Tesla and you're in like Joel and Jason from like 
the you know the low you know talking you know low under five yep. digits under 500 jason rasnick like 40 or 50 well you're probably riding all this out and you're believing in the story and i don't know where tesla is three years from now maybe it's a hell of a lot higher but as a short-term trader i'd be booking profits into the s&p ad i mean i've said it five times here so you know where i'm at uh, the the Barons had uh, things on electric vehicles uh, was the cover and saying, hey, there might be a little too much enthusiasm for it. Uh, you know, Workhorse has come off that high, you know, couple red candles in the last two weeks, managing green candle last week. Yeah. What else is there? I don't know. I mean, there is Nicola and the CEO will be on our show tomorrow at night. So okay. Nicola has just been rocked. Um, that's due wow. for a bounce just because it's been hit so hard. Whew. I mean, wow. People saying EV, you got to buy everything, $93, and it was worth more than GM or something. Somebody told me. I don't know if that's true or not. I never looked wow, at the market cast, but you know, they've never produced a vehicle and they're worth more than General Motors. Um, but you know, that's the kind of market we were in when it got up to $93. Now it's down to $29.30. So at a certain point here, you think this is down to 20 bucks, probably does. It's due for a bounce. <laughs> you're shortening now you're way late to the party <laughs> like there was a lot of times it could have been short nicola now i don't know when it's and it's up two bucks here this morning and you know maybe that you know there is broken trend and things going you know and a downtrend here but there's still a story potential I, i'm actually nicola. surprised to see it fall this far because usually when you, you get stories like this and, and stay we, hot for longer yeah they stay hot for a little bit this one really cooled off fast yeah it got so hot, though, like May and June. I mean, this was 10, 12, 13 bucks. Obviously, it was back back then, and maybe we didn't know what it was going to be. And then, obviously, you know, the news comes out, and it's going to be electric truck maker, and everybody's like, oh, EVs, everything. And they just got crazy. I mean, in, in a few days, it went in June, it went from $30 to $90. That's called upside capitulation, and that's the time to book your profits. So, But I, I, I'm interested to hear it's CFO we're having on. Uh, CEO. Oh, we're getting the CEO. So it'll be awesome. It's Tuesday, yeah. t- tomorrow night, t- tomorrow, tomorrow morning. It, it's returning. It did return to the scene of the crime. And uh, what I meant by that is you broke out uh, on June 8th. You had a gap, right? This was on the daily chart. You came down and you filled that gap. You had, in order to do that, you had to get to ooh, more than filled the gap. Uh, 35. Where was that big gap day here? Um. 36 bucks filled the gap. You more than did that. Uh, you got down to under 30 bucks. So get filled, maybe get some kind of bounce in this thing. I don't know. I mean, you can lead on that Try to bounce. Friday. Yeah, 29.23. If I was day trading it or swing, tra- I would be exactly, Joel, leaning on that low from Friday, 29.23. Why not? You know, take a Why shot not? here. Or even I, a little I, bit more. It's not a bad shot. You know, it's due for a bounce. But again, you're coming in now. It's been going straight down. Now you're buying it up 5% yeah, this morning. I'd rather buy it at 30 and lead myself out of 29.23. And I'm only losing 80 cents. Yeah. And chasing up two bucks. 30 was a good. I, I'm looking at, I mean, I wasn't looking at this on Friday at all. But I never did either. Yeah. I mean, so, but look at three lows in a row. June 1st, 30 even. June 2nd, 30.67. June 3rd, 30.08. and a quarter. So someone bought a, uh, you know, maybe not trying a lawn there, but man, if you had a shot, also like a, a whole, like a round number, 30 bucks, right? 35, 30. A lot of times. Work. It, it, yeah, you're going with that, you know, the Kenny Glick, you know, this is kind of in reverse, you know, looking for those, just the fact 
that it's a whole number. Nothing else. Even if I would have said there weren't any lows at that area at 30, it's just psychological. I mean, and that's what the, a lot of the market is, a lot of trading. It's not so much, you know, having your point and figure chart and, oh, yeah, and on the one minute and your take chart and they're all lining up. Sometimes it's just like, common sense like wow this thing was at 94 bucks now it's at 30 that's a nice round number well why do whole numbers work too it's because the optionality at those prices people are intrigued to buy sure. numbers of big whole numbers now if i go look at the open interest on the put side and the puts because there's potential buyers with puts right so you know when you've got a lot of people who own puts they can buy the stock against those puts lock in the gains so if you're looking at the puts 21 um i'm looking at you know the strikes so 3,000 open interest on the July. So this is the ones expiring this week. 3,000 contracts on the 40. And then the 39, 296. The 38, 661. There, you go. there is some on the 37, but there, uh, there's 2,179. So that's kind of an outlier. 36, 507. And then the 35 jumped up to 2,818. Then it's 310 uh, at the 34, 664 at the 33. Um, 387 to 32, 420 to 31, and then 2,575 at the 30. So it's 10 times more in the 31. So what happens is if you've got puts on this puppy, you can say, and option makers might be saying, okay, well, it's, it's, these are turning points for it. These often get into turning points. You start getting below that and the, and the open interest starts to drop dramatically. And that's just looking at the Julys. We look at the August and there's going to be strikes at 30 as well you know, that are bigger. And they stand out like a sore thumb, 874 contracts at the 30 compared to 47 contracts at the 31. So this is the fundamental reason behind why stocks turn at big hole numbers, because there's a lot of people who have open interest there where they might be trading against it. The August 14th uh, 30s have 2,199 open interest on those puts. It's a crazy amount compared to only 12 on the 31 for August 14th. So you can just say there's a lot of people sitting with $30 puts. And if you just believe that the options like to expire and you know, cause most pain, 30 becomes a support level because there's so many people who are in the money once it gets below 30. So I like the 30 level for that reason, only that reason, that there's a lot of people who would be making money if this thing falls through 30 and those options don't like those people to make the money, at least those option writers. All right, uh, 837, I want to remind you folks, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate that. I want to bring on our guest now, Scott Shalady, a.k.a. the cow guy. He is joining us now uh, from wherever he is uh, quarantining. Uh, Scott, good morning. Uh, good morning. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, you agree with, with that whole assessment right there of the, the fundamental uh, optionality of stocks and why, why that leads to stocks trading around whole numbers? Yeah, I do. Um, I I also would say that, you know, because stocks have this uh, gamma, and, and that's a, a word that we don't need to go into, but you're going to be seeing a lot of those folks that are along those puts when we break through those strikes are going to be covering because they're naturally going to be short at that level. And that also blends or tends to give the market some support there too. So just knowing what they're going to have to be doing with their position also helps in those situations. So Scott, what are your thoughts on the metals here? I mean, gold and silver, what do you do now? Well, I mean, I think uh, you guys talked about it earlier. It's probably a little bit too late to get on that boat. Uh, but is it though? It's, it's 2020. Anything can happen. Yeah. Well, I, here's what it's telling me. It's telling me that the market's nervous. I mean, you get out of bed in the morning, you take a look at gold, makes you think the market's nervous. Then, 
you know, we start to talk about how well the economy is doing, which I don't think it's doing that well. And I look at the 10 year yield at 0.57. How well are we doing if that's the 10 year yield? Now we've had a lot of uh, housing market chatter because the 30 year went under 3%. Was the 30 year going under 3% a good thing or a bad thing? Because last I checked, we don't see rates tank when things are doing well in the economy. So this, this whole idea of the V shape, I think is way out the window. I think we're going to be in this for low, lower for longer and it's going to be a problem. And I think that's where these metals are catching a bit. I think that that's not a bad place if you think that the stock market is overdone. And, you know, if, if, if 1% of the stock market or five stocks are leading around the other 495, I can see where that gold gets a bid then. Yeah, I mean, there, there are reasons, there are fundamental reasons to like safety assets here, but also how do you you know, going to gold right now after the run that it's had, you know, you can look at that chart and get, get a little queasy just being like, you know, how do I chase this? So it's in one respect, it's almost a lose, lose in a way for some, yeah. but it's also gotten a little bit of a, a boost because we've seen, you know, the dollar has been in that 96, 98 range for the DXY for a while. And then we've finally broken through to the downside. And I think that's also helping those dollar denominated assets are going to get a little bit of a boost. I mean, not all of them, it's not an automatic, but that's also been another double whammy for gold. So if you're nervous, if you don't like stocks and you know, you and you think the dollar is getting cheaper, I mean, that's a great place to go right now. I'm not a massive gold bug, as you can tell, you know, I, I think there's two reasons to buy it. Um, you know, if you're worried about inflation, you want to park some dollars there, but you know what? <laughs> We've been trying to buy inflation since 2008. We just don't have it, okay? And number two is that- Yeah, but this time is different though, Scott. This time is different. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Just like your second and third wife is different than the first and second. <laughs> 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 We're on the line with Scott lady, also known as the cow guy, head of USTC, uh, US over-the-counter producers for Merrick Solutions. Uh, let's just talk broad market here. I mean, we- well, I really feel we're in really an important inflection point in the market. Nice high last week and pulled back near the end of the week. You know, the tech brought us back a little bit. Didn't make that new Friday low. But, man, you got to me, you got a support level at 3190 in the S&P futures that it's hard to be anything but bullish until you take out that level. Um, going back on the upside, of course, 3283 and change was our high from last week. Just taking earnings season to account, you know, the move in metals and move in Bitcoin, huh? you know, what's, what's going to give us that another leg? What's going to boost us to 3300, 3350, 3400 new all-time high in the market? Uh, it's vaccine. That's it. I mean, you know, look, we, we, we all want to pretend that uh, a lot of these things are being driven by you know, the, the, the market. But at the same time, you know, the government here, we've got another round of stimulus. The government's been throwing money at a viral problem. Right. And, and really what the market really wants to know is that the virus is solved. They don't care about the money as much. And, and obviously, that's been what's been happening in the dollar as well. So I think your next big leg, if you're going to see one higher, is we're going to get some sort of breakthrough. And, and, and by all intents and purposes, it looks as though we're doing very, very well on that front. I mean, things are happening faster than I've ever seen in my entire life when it comes to the medicine and the money and the might behind getting something solved here. So, yeah, we're going to have to see some very positive news on the vaccine front, maybe some even more positive news on just the average everyday uh, news that you get beat up with when you get out of bed in the morning. And I think that's the other leg higher. So watch what happens. I mean, every time we get a whiff of a vaccine, you see a nice run higher. And then we come back down to earth. But if we can get something solidified uh, with when it comes to vaccine, that's what you're going to see. You'll, you'll, that's your next leg.
Well, I mean, we almost we kind of got that this morning a little bit. Moderna started their their phase three trial of their vaccine candidate, so um, we almost have we, every other day we have the vaccine headline, and we have one today. So um, you know, keep that in mind. And, yeah, well, I mean, it, so, and at times those things those headlines can wear off too, and then people can get you know right. lulled to sleep, right. and then all of a sudden, like, wait, I can't believe I dismissed that, right? Because yeah. we hear about it so often that you start to ignore it. Scott, what are your thoughts about the stay-at-home stocks and the stay-at-home trade? And we look at the Zoom and we look at Teladoc. Um, well, Teladoc just kind of trading along with them. But you, you look at all these stocks and obviously the gamers are involved in that. A lot of the tech stocks are involved in that. Zoom is probably the best example here yeah. where they really got excited at the beginning of July. And a lot of these, you know, they had to own them. And they've kind of not made new highs in the last two and a half weeks. And the tech stock's really included in that because the QQQ did not make a new high in the recent move, although it tried. Do you think the tech is a crowded trade? And if all of a sudden we do get positive news on the vaccine front, that tech could actually underperform? Yes, I do. I, I think uh, it's been part of the Tina trade up till now. There have been some great ideas and some, you know, look, I, I, I was there for 9-11. Um, I remember being on a plane the first day you could fly, and I remember everybody saying that air travel will never be the same and no one's ever going to buy a condo 80 stories high again. And you know what? It changed you know, it, for, for a, a few months, but boy, oh boy, we got back to normal very quickly. I'm wrestling with myself about how long it takes to get back to normal here because I'm not sure – it's definitely not like 9-11. This is going to take a long time. So those stay-at-home things, the things that you mentioned, are really going to have a, you know, a big part of the way forward here. So you can't just say uh, this is going to be a flash in the pan like we had on 9-11. I mean, look, um, when do we get to take the masks off? <laughs> when, when do we get to yeah. use cash again? We're leaking here in the S&Ps. I don't know. Did we get any data? We had that durable goods data, folks, but – not what you want to see here in the in the pre market. Hit twenty three seventy five, pulling back. I don't, I don't know. The high for the day may be well, in here, folks. We're leaking. Sorry about that. I just wanted to throw a no, quick comment. Go ahead. A, you bring up another good point. I mean, come on. The, 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 I think the economy is nowhere near as good as people think it is. We we got bad jobs number last week. I think we stopped that downtrend. Uh, and and as long as the government will only allow these businesses to be open to 25 to 50% of their customers, which means 25 to 50% of your revenues, but you're still mm -hmm. expected to pay 100% of your revenue, you're just gonna go out of business slow. Right, that's, that's all. Too. And yeah. I can't stand the fact that that's even a thing, okay? So now we've got all these businesses that have taken all these loans and are gonna be around a little longer before they finally go under. I think, you know, we've got a pop in housing, which I can't believe, but we do. And I think that some of these businesses that are still hanging on, I know a lot of guys out there that are going to give it six, eight weeks. And if they can't make a go, they're not going to make a go. But they say to me, they can't make a go for sure on 25 to 50% of their revenues. So if we can't fill a stadium and we can't fill a theater, we can't fill a bus or a subway or a restaurant or a bar, how does anybody in their right mind think we're getting anywhere near back to 100%? You have to keep that in your mind. So these numbers, I'm telling you, this is an aircraft carrier of bad news. They will slowly but surely keep coming your way all year long. And when we finally do get maybe a vaccine or we do kind of wear ourselves out of this good news, we're going to have a day of reckoning where we can't say that, look, five stocks out of the S&P 500 can continue to take us higher. What about the eyeball test? I mean, it also, I mean, you talk to people, I talked to a couple of people in this weekend and uh, one guy works, um, you know, in the uh, lawn maintenance industry. And he's like, I can't get supplies. I can't, I, I can't get the supplies that I need 
for to treat people's uh, yards and stuff. And then also, I, and I don't even know if this is true, but Diet Coke. Have you heard it's hard to get Diet Coke? Have you been? I've looked at a couple different stores. What? And, and yeah, that's I, that's. I mean, I just I looked at it, and also for me, like another thing that's kind of a a little bit disturbing to me is uh, I you know have gone to my Walgreens. I've been to a couple different Walgreens pharmacies and different places in Michigan. And when do you ever see empty shelves in a Walgreens? Never. Ever. Never. And I, and I asked a couple of the store managers and, uh, you know, well, first of all, they're like school supplies, right? So who's buying school supplies, right? If you're going to, all you need is a computer. So no one's going to be buying rulers and crayons and stuff like that. Um, But it was like other stuff. And they said, uh, one of the managers told me is like, we can't get the stuff. We can't get it. And I'm like, holy moly. I mean, you know, I mean, it wasn't the toilet paper. It wasn't stuff like that. Just like common everyday stuff. How often do you use like the eyeball test? I mean, I know you're a technician. I know you like the fundamentals, but you know, how, the eyeball test, how often? All, do you all the time. That? That's very, very important to me. I absolutely think that, that, that that'll start to, I mean, all of a sudden we have a coin shortage. I mean, when did that happen? I mean, I, what, 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 there are so many things out there that don't make sense to me. And again, we, we the same who in the right i mean look i love larry kudlow don't get me wrong but who in the right mind was sitting at the table that said we're going to let these businesses reopen they have to pay 100 percent of their overheads but they're only allowed to have 25 to 50 percent of their revenues when they could barely make it on 90 percent of their revenues i just don't understand and so you're not allowed to ask the question because people poo poo you and tell you to shut up and go away we're in the midst of a v-shaped recovery and i'm like i don't think we're in the midst of a recovery yes we had a big bounce back with jobs but now you're going to start to see that this is a stab wound that nobody knows how deep it goes. That's the bottom line. And to your point, your Walgreens and CVS anecdotal evidence, the things that I see are very important now. And I can see why you're going to go into those stock things because look, going forward, it, the, the technology is going to be obviously even more ever present in the way we do our business and go about it. I mean, look, I went to the, I went to Chicago last week twice to do some TV hits. I was embarrassed. I haven't been there in six months. Boarded up windows. Nobody around. If it wasn't for a couple, three tourists, the place was empty. Now, think about the knock-on effect of that. You go into the, these big, you know, high-rise buildings, and there used to be seven or ten sandwich and beer joints on the, you know, concourse ground level, maybe below. They're all shut. There's, you can only have four people to an elevator. Now, tell me, if we go back to some sort of semblance of normalcy, how many, how many hours is it going to take you to get up to the 90th floor of the Sears Tower if they're only letting four people on at a time? I mean, it takes long enough as is. Yeah, right. You got everybody's gonna be really fed when I walk on the stairs. Yeah, we've yeah exactly. We've got some (laughs) big bruises, and those bruises aren't coming in the face, and like an aircraft carrier that's just going slowly across that ocean. It's not stopping, and you're gonna get these bankruptcy news. You've heard them every week. We have a big new bankruptcy or somebody restructuring or whatever. We're continually get this bad news, and it's we're gonna have to pay the piper. I just don't know when. Scott, I want to just make one more point, and it's to your point. Uh, Helen Meisler is tweeting this out, source of Thomson Reuters, and they were looking at insider transaction ratios, um, looking at the oh. ratio of insider sells to insider buys. It typically runs between 12 and 20. So it's always a lot more sells than buys because insiders sell for multiple reasons. They only buy because they think their stock's going up. So what, what this is coming from Thomson Reuters is saying anything below 12 to 1 is usually bullish. Anything over 20 to 1 is bearish. In July, the ratio was 44 to 1. 
which is as high as it's been in a long, long time. Meaning insiders are selling way more than they're buying in, nor than in normal times. And, and to the tune of like 44 versus 12 or 15 times. So an unbelievable amount of insider transactions happening on the sell yeah. side. And I, and here's where, here's where you guys are going to become valuable to your, to your viewers. There, there will be a day of reckoning and we will see some of this correction and it's not anything to be afraid of. It's going to be a massive opportunity, but you're going to be able to see a lot this movement out of some of these tech stops that, that have really been overpriced, like Nikola being worth more than GM. I think I heard you say before we went on, but you're going to have a great, great opportunities and to listen to guys like you, because there's going to be some really good stocks on sale cheaply that are just getting caught up in that washout of that big, those big five or 10 stocks that are really leading the market around by the nose. And that's going to be the real big time that, to take advantage of a lot of different things, because that's what I'm looking to, because right now it's tough. It's tough to get on board something that's already had the move like gold that it's had or Tesla that it's had. It's really tough to even get short some of that stuff because there's a lot of dead shorts lying on the road right now from Tesla. So, I, I, you, did, you need to have a little bit of a um, uh, the, the water needs to get a little muddied up here in this pond before you're going to start to see the big opportunities because right now it's getting a little bit harder and harder as we get to that precipice. All right, Scott, uh, last one here. So from what it sounds like, in a few weeks we'll all be getting another twelve hundred dollar check from the government. What should I do with that money? Where, where should I put that money? <laughs> That's a great question. Well, I mean. If you want to turn it into, you know, $800 real quick, you probably could buy, <laughs> you know, uh, buy some of these stocks. But I, I, you know, again, I don't think the government, I don't think money is going to be the answer. We're throwing money at a pro at the end of the day, this is not going to be over until I see a 75 year old couple celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary in a Chinese restaurant. Okay. That's when it's over. And until that happens, this market has battered and bruised. The American trading psyche and the American psyche is so battered that this is going to be very difficult. So I would say, wait, cash could be, you know, cash is an asset class. Yes. Right? Just because you're not putting it in something doesn't mean it's not doing. So I would say if you've got other stuff invested elsewhere, that's not a bad thing to put in the bank and just wait for a rainy day. All right. Scott Shalady, AKA the cow guy. He's founder of the cow group. Uh, we love his insights. Chat loves you also, Scott. Thanks for the time and uh, keep on safe wherever you are. All right, man. See you. Thanks Scott. All right. Yeah, that was really, really good stuff there from Scott. Really good stuff. Uh, all right. Your catalyst for the sell-off, Joel. Um, Trump's national security advisor, Robert O'Brien, has tested positive for coronavirus. So that's why we sold off those five, six handles there, because that was kind of coincides. The White House uh, came out and said that. So that coincides with that little bit of sell-off there. Thank you. That we saw on the S&P about 10 mm. minutes ago. Okay, so. well. Now, so it's, it's again, the virus, my nervousness about the virus, but, you know, Scott making good points. A lot of these points, like we've been talking about on the show is, you know, you've got the lockdown stocks, you've got the tech stocks that have carried us. And if you look at the reopening plays, they Not really moving. haven't participated. No. Um, are they going to participate? If we get the vaccine that, you know, we're, we're getting positive news here again, but do you notice something else? Here's Moderna positive vaccine news. The move a little more muted this time. You're not seeing Boeing rip up 5 6% because Moderna's going to the next phase. They're not getting the kind of moves they were getting before. And I mean, it is concerning. Hey, Dennis, when you say positive news, all the news is is that, hey, we're starting our trial. <laughs> like we're starting but, the but if you trial. gave us that news two weeks ago, we were ripping 300 Dow points on it. Yeah, yeah. And now we're not ripping like we were because we're getting so many of these headlines. The market's starting to become numb to them. So until we say, hey, we've got it, this is it, I think now the trial, the positive news on the trials is, is, is getting more numb. 
I mean, AstraZeneca, same story, everybody ripping that higher last week, you know, up to $65 because, oh yeah, positive data, we're, we're going good here and look at it now, back to 55. I'll tell you, I actually bought AstraZeneca on Friday, one of the only stocks that I bought because it's back to where it broke out from. And you're looking at it, pricing in almost nothing now because we were back in May, June when they were just kind of starting you know, the, the thoughts of, you know, the vaccine trials and stuff, we're back to those levels again. So, um, no, so now you have like kind of almost the Pfizer deal where you get the wild card, where there will be some more positive vaccine headlines coming from AstraZeneca, which could drive it higher. So I bought the stock in the, the low 55s on Friday, uh, put in the long-term investment account, not a trade, uh, because one, I like the company. I've always liked the company. And two, it's got the wild card of the vaccine. But with that being said, the market is becoming more numb to some of these pops. So that's concerning as well. And what is what, what our original point was is the major concern is Boeing's not going up with the overall market. It wasn't going up. American Airlines is sitting right down here near the lows. Delta not rallying. Some of the Ooh. banks rallied, you know, Wells Fargo. So the banks are showing some life. Uh, but and you are seeing a little bit of separation, some money coming out of tech, some going into a little bit of value, but it's selective again. Coals, every time it gets a pop-up a little bit, it's met with more sellers. There is a reason for that. And a lot of the points that Scott was just making is the reasons for that. That, hey, even if these stores reopen, they're not going to be opening at 100% capacity probably right off the hop. I mean, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but you go in the grocery store, we're a little more strict in, in Ontario. Uh, but you've got to line up and they only let so many people in the store at one time. Hell, we are down here. <laughs> What's that? We, we don't do lines down here. We just... We just yeah. So, it, but I mean, at a certain point, and you know, Trump has now loosened up. He was, Trump was against masks. I mean, for the most part, he was refusing to wear it, you know, because he didn't want to show weakness here. He's starting to lighten up and look at the masks. And I mean, if you look at the other countries, how this guy, they got under control, it was with social distancing and it was with masks. And until you start to see mass adoption of that across the United States, it's hard to get the virus under control. Ontario's got in control. They have strict rules. I mean, now we, we sent in July 20th in almost every major city in Ontario, there is a policy. You have to wear a mask in an enclosed public place. You go into the grocery store, you have to wear a mask or you're not allowed in the grocery store and it's being enforced. So, and I, I was, I, I watched a video of somebody getting taken out of a Tim Hortons because they were refusing and they were refusing and, Did and the you police see, uh, escorted them out. A Delta flight out of Detroit um, had to come back. It was going to Atlanta, and some people refused to uh, uh, put a mask on, so they they brought the flight back. Oh, that sucks for everybody else on the plane, though, yeah, too. Okay, yeah. But, I mean, uh, uh, the masks is an inconvenience, and some people are saying, oh, it's my health, and if you have, you know, a breathing issue or something, you know, you've got to know from the doctor, that's a different story. But I think for 99% of people, I mean, you have asthma, Spencer. Are, are you going to be impacted by wearing a mask by going to the store for five minutes? No, is that if, going to impact your breathing? No, and if and if it if it would, I wouldn't be outside in the first place. I wouldn't yeah. be in the store. So no, it doesn't. I, it's the way out. It is the way out. Um, it's the way that you can flatten the curve and start to get ahead of it without the vaccine. Um, I I've been a proponent for masks all along. I go out. I do wear a mask. Hey, while we're on I'm not going to tell everybody. What, I'm not sitting here telling you, but I, I'm telling if you everybody wore masks, we'd have a lot less spread. Hey, while we're on the topic of masks, you want to look, just look at like APT and Lake because they've both quietly been – these are your mask producers, and they've been moving higher steadily. I mean, there's reason for that too. They're, they're producing the protective equipment that we're in need of. Now, there's a lot of other companies producing it, so they have competition. 
um, which is why these stocks, you know, haven't exploded, you know, out of the gate to like, you know, triple, quadruple, because there is that competition aspect of it. But they're not going down either. I mean, masks, I don't think are going away anytime soon. If you look over in China, like in obviously even in Japan, so I went to Japan like seven, eight years ago. There are people that wear masks all the time just because part of, it's they've part been of the hit. Culture. It's part of the culture. It's part of the culture. Yep. So is mask, that's a question. Is mask going to eventually become, if it's not already, becoming part of the culture in North America, that there's going to be some people wearing masks? I mean, if you saw a person wearing a mask before January outside, you'd think, what the hell's wrong with them in North America? In Japan or in China, that's just, you know, there's some people that just wear masks all the time because they're, they, you know, they've had, you know, outbreaks before and they're being cautious. So is it become part of the culture? If it does, it's good news for APT and LAKE. Yeah, so keep those uh, those names on your radar if you want to play this mask trade. Nine o'clock here. Can we just do one more? Can we just look at Amazon real fast? Someone in the chat asked about Amazon <laughs> a while ago. Um, cooled off with the rest of the big tech trade. Uh, uh, although, and like we said, they do have earnings this week. Um, I don't know. Thoughts, Joel? Up 55 stakes here this morning. Uh, I'll just go simple on this one. Really, you know, nothing fancy. 33.44. I believe that's your all-time high, right? 33.44.29. You had a nice break down to 28.88. Boy, this thing really moves around. Moves to 100, 200 points. Yeah. The range is, you know, the range on Friday was 250 points. No, 150 points. Sorry, it's 150 points. Yeah, that was kind of quiet. So you had a 550-point move. Half of that is 278, and you add that to 288. I mean, 3166 or anywhere near that. Okay. I would say drift up there, 3166 ahead of the print, getting back half of that. I'd say that's going to be good resistance now. I mean, I know that's only 100 points away, but if you're if you're looking to lighten up into the header report, um, I also see a high there at 3150. Uh, that's your three-day high, so that uh, nice confluence in that area. Uh, if you come down, you take out this low at 28.88. I mean, there's there's some good room here down to 2,800 and below. But uh, just looking at this thing and looking at the S and P's, I mean, I until we until we breach 31.90, I don't know if we're ever going to do it. These are the big boys. These are the hot rods. These are the ones that are going to stay in an uptrend. Yeah, there and there's definitely still an uptrend here. And I mean, this Amazon number is going to be impressive. It's going to be I'm huge. Telling you. It's, gonna be, it's huge. going to be impressive. They're going to blow the numbers away. The question is, is it a Tesla aspect where they blow the numbers away and they hit the stock anyways? I don't know. I'm staying long Amazon in my investment portfolio for the simple reason is that I think Amazon is just going to continue to fire on all cylinders for a long, long time. Um, in the short term, if you're like in this for a trade, you're selling to the pop because it's broke. It did break down through 3000. Maybe you don't want to hold it through earnings. If you're not intending on holding it through earnings, I'd be selling it into the pop today. Um, if you are intending on holding through earnings, I'm not going to argue. I'm holding it through earnings. Um, I, it might get hit afterwards, but I still think when I look at Amazon three, four, five stuff. years from now, they're going to be selling more stuff. There's just people uh, are just buying stuff. There's new shoppers that have come online for the first time and saying, wow, this is awesome. Stuff gets delivered right to my door. Amazon's just not going well. Although they did say that Prime Day is delayed, right? So it's not going to be in July this year. 
normally. So they're not going to have that big. Uh, well, actually, no, normally we, I they're guess we would we we would have had it by now. But in any case, uh, as a reminder, we've got the CEO of Nicola, Mark Russell, on this show tomorrow at nine. If you have any questions for us, for him. Send us an email, premarket at benzinga.com. Also, don't forget to like our video, subscribe to our channel. We appreciate that. Thank you very much, Corn Collector, in the chat for that super chat. We appreciate any and all donations. Um, that's all I got. You can catch a replay of our show on YouTube or catch our podcast on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. Catch, uh, if you want to buy any Benzinga uh, swag, the link to our Shopify store is in the description of this video as well. Everyone have a great rest of your Monday. Joel and I will be back at 3.40 Eastern time. In the meantime, have a great rest of your day and stay safe. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.